Welcome to Quantum Kingdom Life and virtualchurchmedia.com. I'm David and this is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's the Queen's Wave saying hello. So David and Joanna here are BDN and we are in a live audience. Did everybody say hello? Hello! So we are going to do a teaching. We're going to look into a teaching tonight that I believe is going to help you greatly. It's called living under an open heaven, how to live under an open heaven. What is the difference between living under an open heaven and a closed heaven? Well, I'm glad you asked <laughs> because living under an open heaven means the angels ascend and descend, answering your prayers from the Lord, ascending into heaven, getting heaven's provision, and descending back into your life with wisdom and knowledge and understanding and favor and blessings and provision and witty inventions. And they also bring the presence of God from the throne as well as the fog, the FOG, the favor of God. Because God's favor is not fair. If God's favor was fair, he would never have put Jesus on the cross in your favor. So thank God he gives you favor. He's the sixth man on the basketball court that makes it unfair. The favor of God, the fog, when it rolls in, things happen. People will like you and you won't even know why. And we must be careful when that happens because sometimes we think it's our good looks or our charisma or our intelligence when in reality or our money <laughs> the reality is it's the favor of God and when the favor of God rolls in the fog things happen organically systematically effortlessly it's like riding downhill on a bicycle and you just check catch the wind and it's effortless and that is living under an open heaven. You hear the voice of God during that time. You sense his presence and everything's going your way. So living under an open heaven is far better than living under heavens of brass. Tonight, we're going to learn a little bit about the difference, but more so on how to access or unlock heaven that so we might live under an open heaven so that the wind might be at our back and favor at our front where he goes before us and prepares the way and the provision is there to accomplish the divine will for our lives to fulfill our God-given assignment in the earth that we might be most effective for him and that our joy might be made complete. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, there's a man by the name of Jacob. His name is Jacob, which means deceiver, supplanter, manipulator, and it's not a good name. It'd be like naming your son manipulator, supplanter, trickster. Well, God met Jacob, the trickster, the manipulator, and he changed his name to Israel, soldier with God. So Jacob became Israel by a nature change. When you encounter the living God, what happens is he doesn't just change you from the inside out. 
there will be outward changes as well. And your countenance will look different. You'll want to dress differently. You'll want to treat people differently. And it happens because you've had an encounter with the living God. Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus met Jesus and was knocked off his high horse of pride. And he was blinded by the light. And for three days, you know, he sought the Lord. And God sent Ananias to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Saul of Tarsus was changed from Saul to Paul. He had a name change. And when he had a name change, he had a nature change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. The word new creation means new species of being in the original Koine Greek language that the New Testament is written in. So when you have an encounter with the living God, it changes you. Jacob becomes Israel. You go from manipulator, deceiver, trickster, supplanter, to soldier with God, where you represent him from heaven to earth, and that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. In the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, there was a king by the name of Saul. King Saul, well, Saul was out looking for his donkeys when he got called to kingship. And the, the, the prophet Samuel said, this is what will happen. Your donkeys will be found, and then you'll be going up a mountain, and you'll run into a band of prophets. And as you run into them, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them. And it says this in 1 Samuel 10, I think it's verse 5 and 6. It says, and it came to pass that when Saul met the prophets as they were prophesying, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he was changed into another man. He went from donkey hunter to king. God can take a Joseph in the Old Testament, take him from the prison house to the palace. And so when God gets a hold of you, he'll do a name change or a nature change. You'll be called by his name. No longer will you be John Smith. You'll be John Smith Jehovah. You'll be adopted into the family of God and you get his nature. Here's Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 12 and 13. Jacob dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. So God is at the top. The Lord is at the top. Angels are ascending and descending. Why weren't they descending and ascending? Why were they ascending first and descending second? Because when prayers go up, blessings come down. So angels will literally ride up with our prayers. And they'll go get permission and provision from God and they'll bring it back down to earth that our prayers might be answered and it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. We have the Word of God, the written trusty 66 books of the Bible that lets us know the nature of God. We thank God for the written Word. It is the framework. He framed the world with His Word. And if you ever want God to talk to you, the primary way in which He does it is through the written Word. He'll quicken. He'll make alive some scripture off the page and it will be living and active right there and He will then manifest that as you call upon Him. Or it'll be correction, direction, rebuke, or provision from the scriptures, and then manifestation will come. 
So God works through the word. He also works by his Holy Spirit. He'll speak by the Holy Spirit. He'll operate by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of healing, prophecy, miracle working faith, miracles, and also the uh, interpretation of tongues and discerning of spirits in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. There's a third way in which God also moves. It's by his angels. So you have the word of God, the spirit of God with the gifts of the spirit, and then you have God's angels. And when angels get involved, amazing things begin to happen. You can defeat the enemy, the devil, with the word of God. You add the word and you mix the Holy Spirit with it, where one can put a thousand of light, two can chase 10,000. Then when the angels get involved, it's one can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000, and then an exponential increase now, a hundred thousand go to flight. So we want the outer court's word, the inner court word, and the spirit, and the holy of holies, the word, the spirit, and the angelic host. We want to always learn to cooperate with the word first. Then we know the Holy Spirit when he speaks because he doesn't speak contrary to the character or the nature of the word. And then we begin to cooperate with angels that are sent by God under the banner and the authority of the Holy Spirit in our life that is confirmed with the word. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold harvest. Outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. Egypt, wilderness, Canaan land, the land of promise. Outer courts is milk, holy of holies, is strong meat, and in between you got hamburger and fries. Outer courts is past tense, inner courts is present tense, and holy of holies is the future tense, where God shows you things to come. The God who was, who is, and is to come. Body, soul, spirit. That helpful? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Okay, we're gonna we could do that for many, many times, and that's a whole nother teaching. But Jacob dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. That's Genesis 28, 12 through 13. Jacob's ladder indicates that angels ascend and descend as they carry our prayers up to heaven and God releases the answer and they bring them back down to the earth. Angelic provision has happened throughout scripture. Elijah had an angel appear to him and gave him a loaf of bread and he ate that bread and drank that water and then for 40 days he ate nothing. He went on a fast. It was supernatural bread. I have known stories where angelic provision appeared for people. And uh, a friend of mine was in communist Cuba preaching over there. He was a spiritual son of uh, A.A. Allen. And he had started his prophetic message right where A.A. Allen 20 years earlier had ended his prophecy about what was coming on communist Cuba at that time. And the church pastors would be locked up and ended up doing 20 years in prison for the gospel. And during that time, uh, uh, the president of the company or the or country or the dictator, he then took over. But he used to pick up A.A. A. Allen at the airport and sit front row while he preached and would weep. And then because of the things that happened with the Bay of Pigs and America and a few other things, uh, 
he became hardened and became a dictator, but when he found out that there was somebody who was the spiritual son of A.A. Allen, he allowed him in the country first preacher. And he says, you can only preach from your seat, so you can only testify. So he testified. About 10,000 people were born again in communist Cuba at that time, and signs and wonders and miracles and diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost occurred, and a couple of Castro's, you know, lead people were born again in that crusade and long story short a lot of crazy things happened out of that but uh, to say what happened in Cuba at the time with angelic provision was amazing because they had very little food at the time and so you'd have to have coupons to go buy food so if you had money and no coupon you couldn't qualify so your money was no good unless you had the matching government coupon so there's a black market for that so where he was staying, Brother Tony was staying, they were serving him food. And he was amazed at the amount of food that they had. And he was obviously very hungry. He had just spoken in three different situations from his seat, standing there testifying as power of God fell. And the, the, the wife of the pastor was coming out with more food and she was like, you know, giddy and crying and he didn't know what was happening and so finally after this went on for a while he went back into the kitchen and as it turned out every time they pulled out of the pot the limited food they had it would multiply mm -hmm. so there was supernatural multiplication like when jesus had fish and loaves and when tony was in communist cuba he had angelic activity and he lived under an open heaven where supernatural provision occurred. His assistant named Bertie Sanders, she went into the Dominican Republic and she went up into the mountains in the Dominican Republic, the DR. So you've got Haiti on one side and you've got the DR Dominican Republic on the other side, a mountain range in between. They speak French Creole on the Haiti side, Haitian side, and they speak Spanish on the Dominican side. And so she was led to go up as a woman into the mountains. And as she got up there, she would pray over the food and the food would multiply. And my friend, Prophet Dan Bowler, who's gone on to be with the Lord, Bertie's gone on to be with the Lord, Tony's gone on to be with the Lord. He was sharing with me that when there was a, an earthquake and he had prophesied the earthquake was coming, his prophet and when the earthquake came, about 25,000 people in this country had died because of this massive earthquake. And they had like a stadium, like a soccer stadium. And that's where they showed up. And all they had on food was food for 200 people. And so they prayed over the food. And thousands of people showed up because they were hungry. They hadn't eaten. And the earthquake had happened. They were displaced from their homes. And as they scooped out, it kept multiplying and they fed 2000 people and they had just as much food as when they started. And it was a miraculous provision of God because they lived under an open heaven. Even though a catastrophic thing had happened, you can live under an open heaven. And Tony told me there was a pastor's wife who was raising the children while he was doing his time in prison for preaching the gospel. And by the way, they had no doctrinal, division over there or you know christian denominational division when they were in prison because they were all in prison for the gospel of jesus christ it was no longer baptist versus pentecostal versus lutheran versus catholic 
if you were there, you were the real deal. Because if you weren't the real deal, you would have denounced Christ to stay out of prison and being separated from your family. And it wasn't a cakewalk there. It wasn't Camp Snoopy. There wasn't, you know, a little miniature golf course and tennis courts there. It was tough time. And they banded together and they realized they needed each other. And that's what we really need to realize, I think, as well, that we need each other. We don't compare and compete. We contrast and complete one another. And so Tony was hearing the stories of a woman and how God had provided for her. And they may have had coupons, but they had no money. And so sometimes you could sell your coupons for some food to somebody who had money, and then you could get a little food. Or if you had money and coupons, you could get food. Or if you had a lot of money, you could buy a coupon from somebody who didn't have any money to match with their coupons to get food, and you'd give them a provision of the food. And so that's a communist country. I don't know how many look forward to something like that. I don't. But great revivals. It separates the men from the boys, so to speak. And there's not a lot of fakers in that situation when it comes to your faith. If you bow down and worship the 90-foot idol of gold, you probably didn't really have a faith to start with. And if you stand, you may get thrown into the fiery furnace for it. But you will see the face of the fourth man in the fire named the Son of God. Anyway, Tony says that this is how they made it through the 20 years. She and her children will get on their faces before God. They would lock all the doors in the house and they would pray. And sometimes it would be an hour. Sometimes it would be two hours. They'd be praying and then they would hear the sounds. They would hear somebody rustling around in the kitchen and cabinets would be opening and shutting. They'd hear cans and they'd hear things and things would be going into the pantry and it would all of a sudden end and it would be complete silence and the presence of peace of God would be in the house and they would go into the kitchen and all the cabinets would be full of food again. It was supernatural provision by angelic and the, the doors were locked and this would happen every two weeks or a month when they were completely out of food and then they would share a portion of that food with other people so they didn't need money or coupons they had super natural provision so those that do wickedly against the covenant daniel 11 32 king james version the enemy will corrupt with flatteries but those that do know their god will be strong and do exploits do you want to know your god and be strong and do exploits god wants to give you that supernatural provision he wants to give you an open heaven so that you are the head and not the tail and then when everybody else is struggling you have provision from the Lord because you live under an open heaven we walk with him we talk with him and he provides for us the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he leads me beside still water he leads me into the green pastures he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy my cup runneth over in the original Hebrew language it literally means it refills from the bottom and you get a chance to drink from the saucer and the reason you drink from your saucer is God fills it up from the bottom and it overflows and you get to drink from the saucer because there's so much he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I personally feel like uh, goodness and mercy could be angels. One named goodness and one named mercy. 
pillow angels that tackle with you with his provision and his goodness and just make you feel loved. So let's go ahead and start in Jacob's ladder. Here's the dream in its fullness. It's Genesis 28, 12 through 19. Is that a, a fun start about God's miraculous provision? That this isn't just an academic teaching. One more I just got quick into when I was incarcerated. Uh, I had previously owned five watch stores, a wholesale company, an import company. So I knew what watches really cost wholesale. And so I had a difficult time paying retail from the commissary for an inexpensive, you know, plastic digital watch. And so I, I struggled with that. And I remember my watch had lasted about two years and the battery went dead, which was a pretty good run on that watch with that battery. And I didn't want to buy another watch. And I liked that watch. It was comfortable on my wrist, a little plastic black watch. And I went and I said, can I order a battery? No, we don't have any batteries. I said, I'm just not going to buy a watch. You know, I just need a battery. And so I went and I gathered a friend of mine. I said, hey, I wanted you to pray with me that God will put a new battery in this watch. <laughs> supernaturally. And so the battery was dead. There was nothing on the digital dial. It was completely blank. We prayed for it. And I took my hand off. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command a brand new watch battery to supernaturally come into this watch now. And I took my hand off and there was nothing on there. And he goes, well, I guess it didn't work. I said, no, I believed I received when we prayed. And he looked at me and the minute I said, I believed I received when we prayed, all of a sudden starts blinking 12 o'clock, you know, to reset it. And he's like, my God, why doesn't God ever do that stuff for me? I said, he just did. We prayed together in the prayer of agreement. And so I think God wanted me to have somebody with me when I prayed that prayer to show an act of God's power and to raise his faith up. Because God can do anything with just you alone. But when he does it with you and somebody else, there's a witness. Where two agree is touching anything on earth, it shall be done for them by their Father, which is in heaven. If two or three gather there, and he is in the midst. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. So Jacob's ladder in the dream, and that was supernatural provision. And then we ended up praying for other people's batteries to be restored, and God did miracles there. One time I prayed for a blind mouse that had been rat poisoned. He couldn't find his holes cold out. And I had gloves on, and I was working landscape. They said, oh, the mouse is blind. I think he must have eaten rat poison or something like that. And he's cold and he can't find his hole. And we had pity on this mouse. And I, I'd had a dream the night before. And in the dream, God was really teaching me faith. See, you can learn faith academically, but until it's put into practice, it's just intellectual information. I mean, Pharisees were very intelligent, very well, school, very well schooled. So were the Sadducees. But they... They didn't recognize Jesus when he came on the scene, even though he's fulfilling, you know, many of the 333 Old Testament prophecies about his coming, his reign, his rule, the miracle signs, wonders where he would be born, virgin birth, all that stuff. Instead, they, they yeah, yelled, crucify him. So knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So we want to walk in love, anchored in knowledge, because all word and no spirit causes a person to dry up, crusty Christians. 
and all spirit with no word causes a person to blow up and blow off granola bar Christians, flaky, fruity, and nutty. But a good measure of the word mixed with a good measure of the Holy Spirit causes a person to grow up in the Messiah Jesus. Is that good? Okay. So what happened was I looked and this mouse, and it was about probably 10 degrees. And I remember it was right between the chapel and the, 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 the gateway that went through. And I put my hand on the mouse. And I kind of trapped him there for a second. Didn't, I trapped him, but didn't press too hard on him, and he just froze. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to receive your sight and be healed. And I took my hand off, and the mouse all of a sudden shook his head, and he looked up at me. And he scurried immediately to his hole. And the guy said, I can't believe that. You just healed the mouse. I said, well, the Lord healed the mouse. He says, I can't believe that. That was amazing. Well, it opened the door. He'd been raised in church, but he'd never seen miracles, let alone eye miracle for a mouse that had had rat poison. But God loves creation. And he ended up listening to the gospel. He gave his life to Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, and began to serve the Lord. But the night before I had this dream, and in the dream, I walked up to a fish tank and all the fish were sick. And it was a saltwater aquarium and all these beautiful fish and they were all floating around and they had the, the crud or something like that. And I remember in the, in the dream, I put my hands on the fish tank and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command the fish in this tank to be healed right now. And I remember I felt the power of God course through my hands, through the glass aquarium and through the water. And it like a whoosh rippled through. And all of a sudden the fish like froze in a matrix. And all of a sudden they began to swim around and they became vibrant again and began to swim. And I, and I woke from this dream and that's the precursor to laying hands on the mouth. So God will put you in the, Valley of Vision in the simulator to teach you what's possible, and then he'll give you a situation in the natural to go try it out, that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven, and the result is an evangelistic effect where somebody else has faith that spikes and comes up. And so these are the things that my friends and I have learned in the Lord, and we're sharing them with you because God never put you in a position to hear a testimony unless he wants to do something similar in your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So we're talking about living under an open heaven. Here's what happens when you live under an open heaven. When you live under an open heaven, everything seems to work for you. We recently had, uh, Joanna had her nephew here and everything we did, it was like we were under an open heaven. We would go to a hotel. There would be a perfect parking space. We would go in the front. They would upgrade our hotel room. We'd have a beautiful view. We'd go to dinner. We'd go here. People comp tickets for us. They pay for a hotel room. We had triple park passes. I mean, just everything just was like effortless for days. It was a full week of that, whether it was kayaking, 
with the bioluminescence to her and the cloud cover was perfect to see or crystal river swimming with the man or the manatees everything was just like the weather was perfect and we were under an open heaven it wasn't just good weather it just wasn't luck or coincidence because you can't have that many coincidences in a row before you have to recognize you're living under an open heaven and he was royally blessed and we were blessed to have him and it was just amazing everything that happened now we've also experienced just the opposite where it feel felt like we were living under the heavens which were brass sometimes you can experience that and god is allowing you to be tested on whether or not you're trusting in his faithfulness where he's the romans 8 28 god where he works all things together for good for those that love him and that were called according to the purpose so sometimes you're tested but you have need of patience that after you have done the will of god you might receive the promise so if you aren't getting the breakthrough be patient because faith and patience are the power twins they're like two sides of the same coin heads and tails faith and patience it takes both for them to spend but trust me after you've done the will of god you will receive the promise and so persevere but you can have a closed heaven because you're out of alignment with God. Or you can have a closed heaven because you're being tested to see if you'll persevere. But living under an open heaven, what happens is everything is prophetic. So like when you're under an open heaven, you'll look at the clock, you'll wake up, it'll be 5.55 in the morning. Not because you set an alarm, but because God woke you up, you look at the clock, 5.55, triple grace. You'll be doing things and things will just happen. Things will be biblical. There'll be biblical numerology. Things will happen. Doves will land. Eagles will land. And when you're under that open heaven, that kind of stuff happens. Now, not everything that happens is prophetic. But when you're living under an open heaven, it seems like it is. And it's God speaks through nature. He speaks through dreams, through visions, through circumstances. But when you're not living under an open heaven and you try to point to those things, well, this bird landed and it was a bluebird. You just sound weird because it's not really God. You're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and kind of acting like it's an open heaven when it's really not. Sometimes you just need to pull back, be quiet, fast and pray until the heavens open again. We're going to look at some ways in which God has designed in the word that will open heaven for us, that we'll have an open heaven where angels will ascend and descend. We'll have the word the Holy Spirit, and angelic assistance in our life. How many would like angelic assistance in your life? Recently, I won't go into details, but my wife and I, we get up you know, every morning and she plays piano and I pray in the Spirit and then she may see an open heaven or we declare things or repent of things that God reveals that we're not in alignment with, an attitude, um, uh, perspective, uh, things we've done or failed to do, and then we repent. We pray for other people, pray for congregation, pray for just business and, 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 and ministry, Bible ministry to prisoners, virtual church media, all kinds of different things that, that are in play right now. And then what will happen is the Lord will begin to show us angels that are being released in response to our prayers. And what will happen is things, as we start our business day, maybe around 9 or 9.30 after we've been in, prayer for you know 45 minutes an hour hour and a half it just depends it's not like a set amount of time and what will happen is and then we have communion as well we have communion together and the body and blood of christ and, and uh 
all of a sudden the day will be absolutely astounding at what God is doing. It's like the crooked paths were made straight because when you begin your day in prayer, you'll end it in praise. If you begin your day in prayer, you'll end it in praise. And if you don't take time to pray, you'll pray throughout the day to rescue your day. But if you start your day in prayer, God will set your day. And you'll have an open heaven and favor will come and things will be effortless and you won't take credit for them. You'll say, I can't believe this is happening. And even people will say, wow, I bet that's very unusual that that just happened. And all the pieces will fit together systematically, organically, effortlessly, miraculously. Why? Because you prayed, God partnered with you because you chose to partner with him. And blessings, favors, and praises go up, blessings come down, prayers go up, provision comes down, and you're not alone. You have a team of heaven, of angelic messengers working with you, business angels, corporate angels, financial angels, favor angels, protection angels, guardian angels, stewarding angels, because God has such an array of angels. I've got an angel series on our website at uh, virtualchurchmedia.com. If you've not listened to that, I encourage you to go there. You can go on YouTube and find uh, my teaching series on angels. And it's very helpful, the ministry of angels and how to activate angels biblically. Not ordering angels around, but coming into alignment with God under an open heaven and then cooperating with the Holy Spirit and declaring the word of the Lord because they hearken unto the voice of his word. They don't hearken unto the voice of your word, but they hearken unto the voice of his word in your mouth. See the difference? So it's not us ordering angels around, it's us cooperating with the Holy Spirit and declaring a thing in the earth that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. And your angels get employed, they get put in the game. Because I can just see unemployed angels on the sidelines. You know, they're in practice, but they're not in the game. And all of a sudden you begin to pray, you get the word of the Lord in your mouth, you declare a thing and the angels are like, put me in coach. And Jesus says, get in there. He responded, uh, a prophet that I know, he said one day he was at a uh, log cabin and seeking the Lord and he stepped out on the balcony and he saw like nine angels sitting out on the balcony and they're all bored. And he said, Lord, what, what, what are these angels? He says, these are your angels. He says, well, why aren't they doing anything? He says, they're my angels. They're assigned to me. Why aren't they doing anything? He says, they're your angels. I assigned them to you. You haven't put them to work. They're unemployed. And he said, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And he said, okay. So he started declaring things that this would happen. This, and it was in line for ministry and this and that. And as he would declare a thing, the angel would get off his and get excited that now he's working again. Can you imagine being unemployed and you get a job? Could you imagine you're with somebody for 50 years? Your goodness and mercy to follow them all the days of their life and you've been unemployed and all of a sudden they pray a prayer and you're like yeah I get a chance to do something I get a chance to defeat the powers of darkness I get a chance to help bring joy or lead somebody into a divine appointment so you can share God's provision or love with them the ministry of angels don't neglect the ministry of angels it says in Hebrews so Jacob's ladder dream Genesis 28 verses 12 through 19 then Jacob dreamed a dream and behold 
A ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. So it's a promise. Verse 14, Genesis 28, 14. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Jacob, the deceiver and manipulator, gets a call from God, a declaration from God. Jacob is asleep on a rock when this happens. He's out minding his own business and God shows up because of the generational blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some of the things that you get today aren't because of your goodness. They're because of the goodness of your mother or father or grandmother or grandfather. And what happens is this. The generational blessing comes upon you and the favor, the fog, the favor of God rests upon you generationally. Not because of what you've done right, but because of what? your family or loved one did right. And guess what? You can end up with angelic inheritance where their angels get assigned to you in your next generation. Now we've talked about spirits of inheritance from a negative side. Oh, well, you got, you know, generational curse on you needs to come off. You've got a spirit of inheritance. You need to break that thing off. And there's truth in that. But we don't talk about enough angels of inheritance because a third of the angels fell. That means two-thirds of them didn't. We should have more angels in our life than demons. People often say to me, that person's got a demon. I'm like, well, where's the angels? They're like, well, I don't know. I don't see any. I'm like, well, I don't know that you're seeing with heaven's eyes because if a third of the angels fell and two-thirds didn't, you ought to be seeing two angels for every one devil. They either repent or they don't talk to me anymore okay <laughs> and so all the families of the earth should be blessed jacob's lettering continues on genesis 28 verse 15 have i become your enemy because i tell you the truth anyway genesis 28 15 it goes on behold the lord says i am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for i will not leave you until i have done what i've spoken to you Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Do you know that the Lord is in this place? He'll never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is in this place, but you may not have known it. He sneaks in on you through an open heaven. Isn't that beautiful? And Jacob was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven, opening heaven's gates and living under an open heaven. Verse 18, then Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he'd put at his head and set up a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God in the Hebrew or house of bread. But the name of that city had been loose, almond tree previously. So Jacob got a name changed from Jacob to Israel and he changed the name of the place from almond tree to house of bread because he knew that when you're in the house of bread, you have the provision. If you look in the Old Testament, uh, in the, uh, the tabernacle, they had the table of showbread and then they had the altar of incense 
and then when you have the, the bread of life is the word of God. And so that was the first time that we see Bethel, house of bread, or house of God, right out in the wilderness. You know, he will feed you in the wilderness with manna, bread from heaven. And he'll feed you as you rest upon your pillow with revelation and the bread of heaven when you least expect it. And the heavens will open and angels will ascend and descend upon your life. Job chapter, Job chapter uh, 33, verse 14, reading on. It's one of my favorite passages because God often speaks in dreams and visions, and that's how I really cut my teeth on revelation with the Lord. He spoke a lot in dreams of the night. Even before I was arrested, when I was, you know, thought God's last name was something that, you know, should more really repeat. And, you know, uh, God gave me a dream. He gave me a warning dream. It's in my book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. I was uh, in a dream, and I was arrested with a stolen Cessna Citation to Jetta Mercedes, silver Mercedes Benz, and a bag of cash in a private airfield in Boca Raton, Florida at 9.05 in the morning. And the plane was brown and white with a dented wing. It was a reverse sting operation. And feds came out and, you know, screwed nine millimeters into my ear, arrested me, and took my money, my, my Mercedes, and, and our jet. And uh, I ended up in... Uh, a courtroom, and in the courtroom there was a woman with a black anodized uh, aluminum tag Hoyer watch, and I was in the watch business, so I knew what that was, it was a nice watch, and she was in a black robe, and she was a female magistrate judge, and I, I didn't understand federal court at the time, and I'm pretty well versed on it now, unfortunately, <laughs> kind of a subject matter expert in that arena after having served 20 years in federal prison for that case, but there was a, a a red-haired or an orange-haired agent with cowboy boots with mud on his boots. And the charges were red. And they also knew about another King Air 300 twin turbo prop we'd taken the month before for the Colombian drug cartel. We sent over to uh, Virgin Gorda, then I think it went to Colombia, South America. And it was traded for emeralds and cocaine or something. But, uh, it's been a long time ago. But anyway, I woke from that dream. And it was my mother calling me on the phone. And I remember waking from that dream and I was flying down to Florida to go do that jet deal. And so here, God's mercy gave me a warning dream, but I didn't take heed to it. And I went like a lamb to the slaughter. And I tried to stop the deal like two or three times. And, you know, we just couldn't seem to stop it. And, you know, I was raised to be a person of my word. But let me share something with you. If you're raised to be a person of your word and you're doing the wrong thing, it's okay to break your word. It's called repentance. Say, so I don't want to do that. I, I, I'm pulling out. I, I'm done. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't yield and take heed, and I ended up arrested with a stolen jet. And instead of the jet coming in at 8 a.m., it was delayed till 9.05. The Mercedes-Benz was not supposed to be on the tarmac, but the seat broke, and my co-defendant, who was in the dream, was taller than me, and it was broken back. So he had feet and legs longer than me that was more comfortable. So he was on the scene and the plane came in brown and white instead of blue and white. It had a dented wing, it was reverse sting operation. Everything came down to pass and down to the jot and the tittle. We ended up arrested. I'm in the courtroom. There was the judge with the black robe, the black anodized aluminum tag warrior watch. And there was the orange haired agent with the mud on his boots from calling around. And you know, probably 
30 agents came out of plane trains and automobiles, this type of stuff. But um, there we were, and the charges were read, and they brought up the other King Air 300. And my co-defendant, who in the book is called Vic, the names have been changed to protect the guilty, uh, jetridebook.com. And he said to me, Dave, Dave. And I'm like, I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying to hear. He goes, no, no, look, look. This is just like your dream. And I said, what? He said, look, the female judge, the black watch you talked about, that's the same one you described. He said, it was 9.05 in the morning, just like your dream instead of eight. The plane came in brown and white instead of blue and white. It had a dent in the wing. He said, and look, there's that goofy looking orange haired agent with the mud on his boots. And I looked over and I said, oh my gosh, you're right. And he said, what happened in the dream? Did we get acquitted or we get convicted? I said, I don't know. I woke up. He says, well, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. You know, this is like a whispering conversation. We're actually handcuffed to each other in this time, you know. So God knows the end from the beginning. And at that point, I was uh, <laughs> maybe living under a heaven that was not open because the heavens were brass. And I ended up reading Proverbs chapter 1. And if you've never read Proverbs chapter 1, a lot of times we read Proverbs in like little snippets, right? We got like this proverb and that proverb and this verse and that verse, Proverbs, you know, 1821. Well, I'm in federal prison in Leavenworth Penitentiary. And this is about, I don't know, probably if that was January, this is probably 16 months later. I was a hard nut to crack, but my mother kept praying. So keep praying for your children. A mother's prayers is so powerful. God will release the hounds of heaven to go make an intervention. And the prodigals will come home either, either willingly or through the hands of, you know, circumstances that uh, might be, uh, they may not get arrested. They might get rescued, but it looks like they've been arrested. <laughs> anyway, so I was reading Proverbs chapter 1. And I'd been born again at that point in time. And Jesus had appeared to us and wonderful things. But I'm talking about an open heaven versus a closed heaven. And I'm reading Proverbs chapter 1, and I get to about verse 19 through 27. And it says, Because you spurned reproof and you rejected my counsel, that when disaster or calamity comes and you call upon me, I will not answer. I will laugh at you in your calamity. And I'm reading that, and it was not comforting. And I said, boy, did I mess up. I spurned correction, and I ended up having to go through three different federal indictments on the same evidence in different jurisdictions. And I had to ride that out for four years, 11 months, and 27 days. They indicted me three days before the statute of limitations on my last case, which was the King Air 300. And the co-defendant who said to me, did we get acquitted or convicted, was the government's key witness against me. And so there I was in Miami, and he's back in his chiropractic practice. And he comes walking in with a Rolex watch and a beautiful suit. He looked good. He was in great shape. And he was the government's key witness against me. That was my friend. And he actually helped lead me to Jesus. So in 1990, my friend and co-defendant helped lead me to Jesus. 
to the cross for salvation. And five years later, he was a government's key witness against me, leading me to the cross for crucifixion. But it's character building. And then God delivered me from that case. After 15 months, a big revival broke out in Miami when I was there at MCC Miami. And the sick were healed. People came out of wheelchairs. It was a big revival that took place in the English and the Spanish population. The power of God fell repeatedly, and we lived under an open heaven during those 15 months. They were like the days of heaven on earth in prison. You know, the Word of God is not bound. The prisoner may be bound, but the Word of God is not bound. And you could be in the lockdown of lust and not be in prison. You could be in the Bastille of bitterness and not be in prison. You could be bound with the handcuffs of hatred or the shackles of shame and not be in prison. You could be in the jailhouse of jealousy and not be in prison. You could be in church every Sunday morning and be bound with several of those things. I know I preach in churches and counsel people and pray for people to get healed of woundedness and cast demons out of several people. I was in church on Sunday and a woman said, oh, that's the David I was telling you about. She needs prayer for hope deferred. And I said, oh, okay. So I began to pray for her. And out in the visiting area as we were having cupcakes, it was a celebration, the power of God came on this woman and she began to manifest. And the wounds began to get healed and trauma was broken off. And then some demons came out and I bound manifestations because you don't need during cupcake time people roaring with demon voices and this and that. You don't really have to have manifestations most of the time uh, for people to get delivered. I just bind them. When I was younger in the Lord, I used to you know, think they were cool and people were getting thrown around the room and stuff like that. And it's kind of crazy. But now I just you know, bind manifestations because we're focused on the transformation, not the manifestation. And so a lot of manifestations aren't necessary. But uh, we're okay when they happen if it's the Lord, but we don't allow the enemy to do an exhibition. And we don't allow him to speak because uh, you don't want to turn somebody into a necromancer you talking to demons through their mouth, right? So anyway, uh, she got delivered, and the people standing behind her, I asked them because I saw the power of God start to come. She started to fall, and I'm like, whoa. So I ran behind her to kind of catch her. I didn't lay hands on her. I just raised my hands, but the glory came because we live under an open heaven. So when you live under an open heaven and you raise your hands, heaven comes. When you don't live under an open heaven, you can rondai, rondai, tie my bow tie, and speak in <laughs> tongues and cast out this and that, and you know, nothing happens. Because it's pretty much just a flesh show or a soulish nature. But sometimes you've got to start somewhere. So much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. So when you inhale in prayer alone with God or with your spouse in the morning, you get filled up and then you go exhale and the presence and the power of God comes. And Anyway, so what happened was um, there was another woman who had introduced me and all of a sudden, you know, she's like turned around and the other people I had stand behind her when they saw this happening, uh, they, were, they walked away. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I guess they're not probably into deliverance ministry. They're probably into, uh, you know, more armchair quarterbacking than the actual getting in the game. But anyway, so uh, power got to come and she got delivered and then all of a sudden she where am I? And I told her where she was at. And she says, I don't know where I'm at. And then I realized I'm not dealing with a demon. I'm not dealing with the person per se. I'm dealing with an altar. And an altar is a protection altar or an anger altar that's part of a person's fractured soul. 
And when you deal with that, you can't cast out an altar because it's part of the person's soul. Nisera is a protection where they got wounded. And so where she had been wounded, she now had been healed of the trauma. The spirit attached to that had left her life. And now the altar remained. And so I said to the altar, I said, oh, I said, thank you very much for protecting. And I called her by name. You've done a wonderful job and you've finished your job here. And I said, she's safe now. I said, would you be willing to go with Jesus to where he takes you to? And she said, yes. I said, thank you so much. You've done a great job protecting so-and-so. And all of a sudden, she said, oh, she says, I feel wonderful. And I said, oh, good, let's go get some cupcakes. And I walked <laughs> off. So my point is, this is the normal Christian life when you walk under an open heaven you don't go looking for demons you don't go looking for ministry you just walk with the lord and it happens organically automatically or the lord speaks to you in a dream and a vision of the night ezekiel or uh, job 33 14 in a dream and a vision of the night when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds then he might open their ears and seal their instructions to turn men from wrongdoing to preserve their soul from going down to the pit or perishing by the sword god does this oftentimes with man. So God speaks in dreams and visions, but are we attentive to know? That's one of the ways that he opens heaven and he speaks to us in his language of the night. So the house of bread, opening heaven's gate, there's three things that are always present at the house of God. You can take notes on this. Three things are always present at the house of God. And when I say house of God, I'm not talking about a church location. I'm talking about you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can be in the wilderness and God will show up and it'll become the house of bread because he showed up with an angel food, right? So three things are always present at the house of God. Number one, the voice of God. You'll be able to hear the voice of God at Bethel, the house of bread or the house of God. Number two, angelic activity and assistance will be present when you're living under an open heaven. And number three, God's presence is tangible presence. I'm not talking about he'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm talking about the presence of God that's tangible where he walks with you and he talks with you and you feel his presence, you hear his voice. So number one, the voice of God. Number two, angelic activity and assistance. And number three, God's tangible presence. When these three things are present, heaven's gate stands open before us with an invitation to access us. John 151 and he said to him, Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus lived under an open heaven. We can live under an open heaven. It is a choice. Adam in the Garden of Eden lived under an open heaven. And the Lord God walked with him in the cool of the day. That is our right. That is our privilege. Enoch walked with God and was no more. Genesis 5.24, for God took him. So when you walk with God, walk with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. What a joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known.
I'll leave the singing to my wife. <laughs> Hebrews 1, 13 and 14, New American Standard Version. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Verse 14, Hebrews 1, 14. Are they angels, not all ministering spirits, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? To render service for those who will inherit salvation. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Are they angels, not all ministering spirits, sent out to minister to or render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? That's you, and that's me, and that's every other person on the planet because God has called the world. His will is that none perish, but all come into repentance. 1 Corinthians 3.16, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So you are the temple. In the Old Testament, we went to a location and called on the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner of victory. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Himkadesh, the Lord, our sanctifier. Jehovah Yireh, the Lord, our healer. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. And it goes on and on with the different Jehovah names. But in the New Testament, he's given us his name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And when you go forth preaching the gospel in his name, these signs will follow you when you believe. You'll cast out demons. You'll heal the sick. If somebody slips you a mickey, you'll drink any deadly poison. It will not harm you. you pick up serpents in your hands and they will not hurt you. Cleanse the lepers, heal the sick. Preach the gospel unto the poor, raise the dead. The normal Christian life. Now, as we're closing, Isaiah 22, 22. In the year 22, 22, Isaiah 22. Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, none will open. Isaiah 22, 22, New American Standard Version. So we've been given a key, keys to the kingdom. Matthew 16, 18, and 19 giving you the keys to the kingdom of God. What door you shut, none can open, and what door you open, none can shut. Or whatever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I want to give a qualifier to this because it's been sometimes not properly taught. When you bind something in the earth, it already has to be bound in heaven for you to be able to do it in the earth. Without God, we cannot. Without God, he will not. Without us, he will not. Without God, we cannot. So it has to be his will to start with. And then we pray that his will is done in earth as it is in heaven. So we pray it from heaven to earth, but if it's not in the heavens yet, you can't pray it to earth. It's like a lock box, at a banker box at, 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 uh, at a bank. You go, you've got a key, and the banker has a key. It takes two keys to open that box. And if you go with your key and they're not open, you can't, you can't do it. If they have their key, they can't get in without your key. So here's the beauty. We can't get anything out of the box that God hasn't put in yet. But God doesn't get anything into the earth without somebody with the key to go and get it and unlock it into the earth. We've been given dominion over the earth. The heavens and the heavens are heavens are his. But we cooperate. We work with him. Is that cool? So without God, we cannot. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. But without us, he made the rules. We didn't. Without us, he will not. The good news is, if we won't do it, he's got 7,000 others that will have not yet bowed their knee to bail that he could put his spirit upon. So it's a pleasure and a privilege to serve him. So he set on your shoulder the key to the house of David. And 
Because if any man be in Christ, you've got that key. Because you're partnering with Jesus. Whatever door you shut, none can open. Whatever door you open, none can shut. John 14, 12 through 14, New International Version. I tell you the truth, Jesus saying, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. What did Jesus do? Well, he got crucified. You get to do that too. But you get to do it in prayer. Right? So you get to do it in prayer and fasting. And then you have the power of God that comes upon you to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to cleanse the lepers, and to raise the dead. Just the basics. Are you doing the basics? Christ in you, the hope of glory. With God, nothing's impossible. God says, with me, nothing will be impossible for you. Because your hands are my hands extended in the earth. You get to be Jesus with skin on. A smile. A word. Laying hands on or rebuking evil. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Verse 13, John 14, 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. His name is his character, his honor, his position, his authority, his nature. So he's not going to do something that you ask apart from his character, apart from his nature, apart from his authority. So it's about being one with him. We delight ourselves in the Lord. He'll give us the desires of our heart. When we delight ourselves, it really means in the Hebrew to make oneself pliable in the master's hand like pottery or clay that becomes pottery. So he shapes us into the form. And when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we make ourselves pliable in the master's hands, the potter's hands. Then he gives us the desires of his heart. You know what the desires of our heart are? They become the desires of his heart because we become pliable. Now we're at one with him. Can two walk together except they be agree? Amos 3.3. Amos 3.3. I will do whatever you ask in my name, my authority, my honor, my position, my character, my nature, so that the Son may bring glory to who? The Father, because I and the Father are one, Jesus says. Verse 14. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Closing. You can open heaven's gate by using your keys. Would you like to know what the keys are? Yes. You can write these down. So the keys include, but are not limited to, prayer is a key. So when you pray, angels carry your prayers up and they ascend, they get provision, and they bring provision down. Another thing that is a key is proclamation. I decree and declare a thing. And angels then are employed and they go out and do the will of God. Didn't I, I didn't say the will of David, but the will of God when David is in connection with God and he fills my mouth and he speaks it. So when Jane or Sally or Biff or whoever declares the word of the Lord in relationship from him out, the angels go forth to perform the word of the Lord that comes out of our mouth. But it has to come through us on the earth because we've been given dominion. I remember one time <laughs> this woman was, uh, I was preaching, no one goes to hell by accident. My, my wife was my fiance at the time and she was told by the Lord to intercede for this service and I'm preaching no one goes to hell by accident and I've actually got a book on it on Amazon and uh, it's a really powerful little book and we came by a vision and the Lord told me no one goes to hell by accident and so I taught this teaching and during the teaching um, our worship leader was at the piano and I was faced this way and the camera was here and so the audience wasn't seen kind of like tonight and while I'm preaching the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon her and 
all of a sudden she starts to grab her chest and she starts to turn purple. She's being asphyxiated and I'm right in the middle of my message. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Do we call 911? Do we believe in healing? Do we, what do we do? And everybody's looking at me and they're looking at her and my worship leader, I look over at her and she's like, and it was, it was an intense moment. And my wife, fiance at the time was on her knees interceding in prayer. And I said, Lord, I said, is that a demon? This is in my mind. And by the way, you'll see me on video on this. No one goes to hell by accident on YouTube. And I look incredibly calm. <laughs> look calm as can be on the inside. There was divine tension. There was turmoil. So I said, Lord, is that a demon? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Is she dying of a heart attack? Is this spiritual? And the Lord said, yes, deal with it. <laughs> Now, there were sometimes we're teachers and we serve up crock pots of meat that no one ordered. And we want to split doctrinal hairs. How many angels can dance on the head of a pen? Is it this? Is it that? Like God says, yes, deal with it. He didn't deal with it. He gave me authority to deal with it. He's given you authority to deal with it. You are the priest of your household. You're the keystone in the arch that holds things together. And if you won't do it, he'll sit back and watch. And you'll blame God on why he didn't do anything. And he'll, you get to heaven, he'll blame you. He won't blame you. He'll just tell you, this was your responsibility. I gave you authority on the earth to bind and loose, to open and to shut, and to cast out devils. And you sat there and did this, or called 911, or sent him to a psychiatrist, or, and, you know, this. And I'm not opposed to, there's times and seasons for everything. So let me balance that. But when God speaks. But don't default to that first. Go to that last. Go to God first. When my dad died in front of me, we didn't call 911. We went and raised him from the dead in the name of Jesus. But I'd had three dreams. Two, he was gone from the earth suddenly and that without remedy. And the third one, he had a problem in his car with the battery and the starter. And he died in front of my mother and my fiance at the time, my wife now. And I said, Joanna, I need you. It's an emergency, and my dad had just died in the bed right there because his hands were itching, went and laid down, shook, and boom, gone, lost his faculties. And my mother was giving my wife jewelry. We were divinely delayed getting out of the house because I was taking her to the airport. And so I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come back now. Instantly he opened his eyes. And by the way, he died a second time, and we did call 911 to check him out. He died a second time. My wife raised him from the dead in the name of Jesus a second time. And then I come back in the room and he's gone. I said, where's my dad? We, he got up. She didn't tell me he died a second time. She raised him from the dead. See, it's important that you teach your children how to heal the sick and raise the dead because you never know when you might need it. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so equip the saints for the work of ministry. Equip your children. Raise up the child in the way he should go. When he's older, he'll not depart from it. So, so anyway, he dies a third time standing in the bathroom and loses you know, the rest of his faculties there. He's completely dead, and the paramedics are there. I don't know how they got there that quick. It was amazing. And uh, I'm holding him like an empty box, and he's completely gone. Eyes, all the life force is gone, no breath, and he's, he's, he's gone. And I said, Dad, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come back now. What's going on? What's going on? Who are they? Where are they? Anyway, my dad lived six more years. That was at 90, and he lived in 96. But see, God gave me a warning 
that my father was gone from the earth suddenly and that without remedy. And I got the dream in two forms with the same interpretation. And Genesis 41.32 says when you get a dream in two forms with the same interpretation, this thing is firmly established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. And I told Joanna about it and I said, I don't know how to pray. I said, my mother really needs my dad. And uh, I said, God, I need you to give me case law on what to pray. Because I don't know what to pray in the word because we're promised 70 or 80 years. My dad's 90. And Moses, I not dim nor strength abated. Moses really walked strong with the Lord. Sometimes we claim promises for ourselves that don't match our lifestyle. Amen or ouch, hallelujah, you're a heretic. But you can change your lifestyle then claim the promise. You can climb up into the heavenlies and climb out of the flesh, right? And then claim the promise and live longer. Anyway, so I said, I don't know what to pray. My mother needs him. I need something from you. And the Lord said to me, ask me for my mercy. See, I heard from heaven. I said, God, I'm asking you for your mercy. Your has said, I need your mercy in my so my father died unexpectedly in front of my mother and my fiance, and we were delayed getting out of the house because God delayed her because a Jewish mamala was giving jewelry to the incoming daughter-in-law to honor her. And that was a divine delay that brought multiple blessings because my father lived to see my mother go on to eternity, and then he continued to live a total of six more years. And just as caveat, my dad was a diver, an international master diver with like 168 titles, probably even more than that before he went on. But three months later, he was on a 10-meter tower winning three gold medals diving in an international competition here in the United States. And he continued to dive 10-meter tower till he was 92, three-meter springboard till he was 93. But we used our keys to unlock God's highest will. The third keys that we talked about to unlock, well, here's, here's really the keys. The keys are different than the three things that are on an open heaven. So an open heaven involves the voice of God, angelic activity and assistance, and God's presence. That's when you live under an open heaven. The voice of God, number one, angelic activity and assistance, number two, and number three is God's presence. When these things are present, God's heavens, or heaven's gate stands open before us with an invitation. So here's keys that unlock things prayer proclamation and decree what did i do i decreed a thing with my dad i said dad in the name of jesus i command you to come back now you can also use the key of touch through the laying on of hands so when you touch a light switch the lights come on don't it doesn't it you didn't wire the house well, maybe you did if you're an electrician. I mean, if so, we thank you. Stop by. We'd like some work done. But if you flip the switch and you use your flipper, your paddles, you can lay hands on. It's God who's already wired you to have the power for healing in his name. So prayer, praying upward, proclamation. I proclaim a thing or decree a thing or declare it. Touch through the laying on hands, prophetic words, prophetic acts. Here's a prophetic act. One time the Lord told me, and, and, and I, I think it's Ezekiel, he says, smite your hands together. <laughs> smite your hands together. When you smite your hands together prophetically at the decree of the Lord, at the leading of the Holy Spirit, 
It says, let the sword be doubled unto them. So you can do prophetic acts. There's things that the Lord will have me do when I'm praying over somebody that makes no sense to me at the time. And I'll see a film clip image of me doing it. And I'll say, okay, I don't know why I'm doing this, but then I'll do it and it'll be really powerful. It'll shift the atmosphere. The presence of God will come in. The person will be miraculously healed or delivered or set free or will mean something to them. Or they'll say, that's how my father, you know, used to do this or my mother or my grandmother or this happened. I remember one time <laughs> I was, uh, my wife and I were in Michigan and we were at the end of a service. I've shared this story before. <laughs> it was during COVID too. And so here we were at the open air place and at the end of a service, and this was like three days of ministry and we'd had this perfect time. Everything was great. I mean, it was tough when it started. We had the breakthrough and at the end of the service, everything's closing out and we're done. And I see a film clip vision of me throwing water in this woman's face out of a 16.9 ounce bottle. And I'm like drinking a bottle and I'm like, okay, let me go get a fresh bottle. And so I went and got a fresh bottle. And I said, ma'am, I don't know you. I said, but if you enjoyed yourself today and she said, oh, it's been great. Would you please stand? I said, I, could I use my liberty with you? And I said, I, I may have missed it on this. And I said, if so, I apologize in advance. And I said, but what I saw was me opening up a bottle of water and throwing some in your face. And I said, I don't know what significance this has. Would that be okay with you? She's like, oh yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. Right? Well, you remember, we just saw miracle signs and people are falling out under the power and shoulders are getting healed and you know, all kinds of other stuff. So, and plus we're, we're in the presence of God and there's joy and there's trust and there's, you know, you didn't, I didn't lead with this. Okay. This is what I ended with and didn't really want to. Some of the greatest things that I've ever seen happen were at the end of a service that I thought were insignificant. And then it just like God ended the service with a cherry on top of the ice cream or a crescendo. And so I grabbed this brand new bottle of water and I said, new bottle of water, I open it. And all the people are looking at me and there was this couple that were very affluent. They had a, a yacht and they were going to support the pastor and they came from uh, like a Catholic background. They'd never seen this strange stuff before and they were highly educated. They were sitting looking like that and very fine looking people and they're looking at me like, I can't believe you're going to throw water on this woman, but they're interested, right? And I'm thinking, man, I'm really going to, if I hit this with the Lord, it's going to be great. If I missed it, I'm never getting invited back again. And it's better to obey the Lord and not get invited back and disobey the Lord and not get promoted or get fired. If God fires you, you're done. Somebody else fires you, he can get you another job, right? So, uh, Lord, never want to be fired. And so I flicked the water out of the top of the bottle and it went sailing through the air like in slow motion. And I don't know where all this water came from because there was only like this much gone from the bottle but it hit her in the face and it just seemed like a lot more than it was. And she went, oof, and it's like she went into a vision. And I'm like, I wonder what's going on. And all of a sudden she like comes out of the vision. She's like, oh. I said, what happened? She said, I was taken back to when I was three or four years old when I drowned. And I was drowning in water. And she says, Jesus appeared to me. 
And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. She says, and I realized that Jesus was with me when I was a child and I drowned and I've been fearful of water ever since. She says, but now I'm delivered from fear and I no longer fear water. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But it was just so precious. And she was delivered through a prophetic act is my point. And so you never know what God's going to have you do as a prophetic act. And it may sound strange to you. One of the things that I found that is very significant is when we're praying for somebody who's like stuck in an area, I'll grab their hand and I'll say, hey, give me your hand. And they'll hand and I'll pull them forward and they'll like walk forward and I'll say, now turn around and look back. And they'll look back and I'll say, you're no longer there. And all of a sudden they'll be like, I'm free. And that prophetic act does more for them than 30 months of counseling. So prayer, proclamation, decree, touch, laying on of hands. When I say touch, you can just literally put your hand on somebody's shoulder and release the shalom peace of God. Mm-hmm. Laying on of hands. I've actually laid feet on before. Like I didn't feel like bending over to lay hands <laughs> on their feet and like in an airport or something. And they're like, well, that's, and I'll just lay my foot on top of their foot and command the bones to be healed or whatever. And they get healed because the power of God shoots through any part of your body. Mm-hmm. It's not just laying on a hand. It could be laying on elbows or you know whatever. So I don't want to make that a the way you should do it, but just be led by the Holy Spirit. So prophetic words where you declare a thing. I remember when I, we were praying over some evangelists before they dropped into Ebanon, Africa, and there was like 88 of them. And they went and won 650,000 souls the next month uh, in Africa. And I remember the Lord told me to go lay hands on specifically two of them. So I went to go pray for the one, and when I showed up, I went to raise my hand up, and I blew on him, and the power of God hit him, and like people kind of were in the way, and the power of God hit him. They didn't get hurt, but he was gone. I mean, gone. Couldn't speak English for like 30 minutes. I mean, just, he's like trying to, I'm like, just let be with the Lord. So then I went to go pray for another one, and I laid hands on him, blew, nothing happened. And the Lord says, speak to his identity. Declare him a leader, not an assistant, not a follower, but a leader. And as I began to speak that word of identity, the power of God, and the other one behind him that had been prayed for earlier would try to catch him. They both went out of the power. They got a deep impartation. Then they flew into Africa, and they and their teams of 88 won 650,000 to Christ in like three weeks with the other team members. And they'd been trained up to do that, and there was a lot more that went on. So, laying on of hands, prophetic words, prophetic acts, acts of faith. An act of faith might be giving. I mean, I, I, I've had the Lord tell me to, to give money. And I'm like, I rebuke you, Satan. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And when I, the, the Bible ministry that's in 1,500 prisons now with Heart of America Prison Ministries, heartprisonministries.org, we provide, you know, bonded leather-bound Bibles like this. I mean, these are real Bibles, you know. And uh, we just got a $10,000 donation. We're doing 500 Bibles right now. We've already mailed out about 260. I mailed out another 20 today. And uh, our Bibles are packed by our volunteers. And we have a Bible waiting list. But how did that Bible ministry start? It was an act of faith. The Lord told me to give away my bonded leather-bound Greek Hebrew study key Bible from Spiros Odiates. And I love that Bible. And... When the Lord told me to give away my Bible, I said, I rebuke you, Satan. Now it's not in mind the things of God, but of men. If I had two, I'd give man, one to the man who has none. 
and I've only got one. I'm not giving my Bible away. And the Lord spoke to me, give and more will be, for, more will be provided. So that was an act of faith that I did that was sacrificial in nature. And whatever you give away that the Lord directs you to give away that's sacrificial, you'll never be out of. Or you can keep it and fight to keep that one and never know till eternity. So an act of faith could be extravagant giving this and that. Worship is another weapon or a key that unlocks heaven. Worship and praise and thanksgiving. So we thank him for what we see, we praise him for what we perceive, and we worship him for what he reveals, who he is. We worship him for who he reveals. And so I'm gonna close out and we're gonna, I just wanna share this in closing. There's two types of Christians. There's thermometers and there's thermostats. <laughs> a thermometer is an instrument for measuring temperature, often a sealed glass tube that contains a column of liquid is mercury that expands and contracts or rises and falls. That's a thermometer. It takes a temperature. A thermostat is an automatic device for regulating temperature as by controlling the supply of gas or electricity to a heating apparatus. Also a similar device for actuating fire alarms or for controlling automatic sprinklers. So a thermometer takes the temperature in the room. It's 72 in here. A thermostat changes the temperature. So when you walk into a service, it's okay to be a thermometer. Well, it's kind of spiritually cold in here. Boy, it's dead in here. It's dead as a doornail. The Doughboys Quartet isn't nailing it today. The goldfish swallowing contest, it's not happening. <laughs> the fog machine, that's not the fog, the favor of God, right? And so it's okay to take the temperature. Or, wow, the presence of God is really here, this and that. But if it's a cold temperature spiritually. Don't be a thermometer and stay a thermometer. Move into the thermostat and change the temperature. That's how you can tell. God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, Acts 10, 38. So when you walk in, it's okay to be filled with the Holy Ghost and have discernment to take the temperature. But don't stop there. Be a thermostat and change the temperature. Stir up the gift that's within you. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands, 2 Timothy 1.6, King James Version. But ye, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude chapter 1, verse 20, King James. So you can stir up the gift that's in you through the laying on of hands. And you can build yourself up in the Holy Ghost by praying in the Holy Spirit. And that's what my wife and I do every morning before we start our day. We spend that prayer time with God because much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. No, no prayer, no power. How much power do you have? Do you have more spiritual power than your cell phone that you put on trickle charge because you like communicating? Amen. Let's close. Hallelujah. God's called you to be his thermostat, not just his thermometer. He's called you to change the temperature. And when you walk in the room, you walk in with him. And Peter's shadow can shine out of you and heal the sick and cast out devils because you carry his name, his authority, his honor, his position. 
his nature, his character when you walk in. And in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Gatekeeper, arise. Let's use our gatekeeper authority now in the name of Jesus and begin releasing the already decided will of heaven into the earth so that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven, just like Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 10 in the Lord's Prayer. Here's our prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Okay, we're having, I'm just going to pray you guys can agree. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the full price on the cross for me to be forgiven and redeemed from my sins. I believe you died on the cross, were buried in the tomb, and on the third day you rose from the dead. Based on your complete sacrifice for me, I accept and receive you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior right now. I fully give you my life and thank you for salvation and all the benefits of heaven on earth right now that you paid for. Thank you for cleansing me from all my sins and writing my name irrevocably in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Okay, that's part one. Now that he's on the inside for sure, now let's go have a little fun. Now Jesus, I thank you that this is the house of God. Point to yourself. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that this is the house of God. Your voice is present, I hear you speaking. Your angels are present. And I declare that I am now the gate of heaven like a thermostat that changes the atmosphere. I use my God-given authority to release heaven's bounty into the earth right now in Jesus' name. I release heaven's angels, presence, power, provision, culture, character, heavenly attributes, first into my mind, my body, my soul, and also into my home health, family, workplace, relationships, and finances in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And I declare the gates of hell will no longer prevail against me and my house. I take a stand. I draw a line in the sand, the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' mighty name, I apply the blood of the Lamb and the power of the Holy Spirit into every situation, and I command them to shift and to change and to come into alignment with the will of God. I release your angels that you've assigned to my life and my ministry right now to go out and to fulfill the already decided will of God in earth as it is in heaven. We cooperate with your word. We cooperate with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, at your directive, we cooperate with your angels who've been sent forth to minister to us and render service for us as inheritors of salvation. I use my authority in Jesus' name right now to fully open the gate of heaven and close the gates of hell in my life and my family. I declare and decree the release of God's angels to accomplish heaven's will on earth as it is in heaven right now. Amen and amen. amen. Well, I am David and my lovely wife, Joanna, there's a Queen's Wave. We will see you next week, virtualchurchmedia.com for archives. And if you want to sow a seed or partner with us online, you can go to virtualchurchmedia.com on the give link. And we appreciate your support to help us get the gospel around the world.
God bless you, and we'll see you next week.